Macan family, uh, you've noticed some changes take place in this environment. Uh, you have been through a series with us as we've talked about the church. And about a month ago, we shared about uh, a ritual that we do being communion and baptism. Well, that, that ritual is one to point us towards the gospel. It helps us retell the story of God. And you guys have rituals. Maybe it's uh, a wedding anniversary or maybe you have a ritual of celebrating your birthday or um, maybe even a family reunion. Like rituals in and of themselves can point us towards something that's significant in our hearts, something that means a lot to us. And so today we're going to continue uh, with a new, another ritual, not simply one uh, aspect of helping retell the story, but actually a full season. As Pastor Russ said, we're now in a season of Advent, and that word is something that's not commonly used. Some of you may be thinking we're talking about adding some more heat to your home. Uh, we're not, not adding a, a vent. Y'all will get that, that one later when you listen to it later. Um, but... <laughs> You, come on, black folk. You know we like the house, the house hot now. Um, but Advent, the, the, the term means one of coming. It means one of, 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 a, of a new entry. And so we're celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ. But we stand at, a, at an interesting point as the people of God because we are, on one hand, people who've already experienced the cross. So the cross has happened. It's taken place. But we also still long for a full restoration. We also still long for, for the world to be transformed in a way where, where all peace, all joy, all love is experienced. And so today, we move into a season to hopefully be, be something that jolts your system. The season of Advent should, should give your body a shock to remind us of a need for a Savior. So now when you come in this room and it's dark, hopefully that's a marker for you that says, wow, without Christ, the world is a dark place. And there was a time when we were in great need of a Savior. Praise the Lord for many of us in here have, have experienced that Savior, but there's many more to that need to experience Jesus. We see the lights point us towards the light of the world being Jesus. And another, another small component, and since you can bring up the, the slide with an Advent wreath, uh, another small component is this thing here called a wreath. And it, it helps us tell the story of Jesus. The circle is one that, that helps us be reminded of eternity, that God has no beginning and no end. We, we will light the candles again to remind us of Jesus being the light of the world, but the, the purple color is the color of royalty, it's one of, of kingship, one of majesty, where we long for a king who's going to come and restore all things with a triumphant reign. But the pink is one of joy, one of joy that, that not only is he coming to establish a new kingdom, but he's coming as our savior. And so that's the reason that we, we rejoice. And so each Sunday, we're going to be lighting a different candle. And if you could go to those topics that we're going to be covering each Sunday, we're first going to cover today the topic of love under the Advent theme. Then we're going to be covering peace, then hope, then joy. And inside of your bulletin family, you'll find one of these inserts. Our hope is that as you come with us, as you come here, as we worship together as a corporate body, that you will be praising the Lord as we, as we share about the different ways that Christ fulfills all prophecy and that Christ allows us to experience hope, joy, love, and peace during Advent. But let it not just be something that happens here on a Sunday. We're giving you this hopefully as a tool that will help you in your home as you worship Christ, as you desire to, to make it more than about Christmas, more than about the, the, the stuff that needs to be purchased or the big meal that needs to be prepared or the uh, travel plans, but, but that the focus should be about our Savior. And so this last, uh, the last candle, the white candle, is one of purity for a, a perfect God that came and dwelled among men. 
So today we light the first purple candle, the one of love. And we'll see if this works with a cast on. Come on, baby. Matt family, will you pray with me as we, as we kick off our Advent season? Heavenly Father, this mystery, the mystery of who you are, Jesus, you being human and God all wrapped up in the, in the image of and the in Jesus, Lord, we're still trying to understand. But Holy Spirit, would you guide us as we seek to do that? Would you, Lord, allow us to reflect on, on who you are? Allow us to be reminded of how you disrupted all of humanity as you came and dwelt among us. Giving us new hope. Giving us new joy. Providing peace, all nestled in a, in a in love. Christ, it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Family, during the uh, Christmas time, I get a little excited because uh, a lot of good movies come out, uh, and oftentimes the the toys the toy folks like to. Uh, release superhero movies because they know around Christmas you guys will buy a lot of Power Rangers and um, Thor and uh, Superman items. And so I get pretty excited. I'm a, I'm a movie guy. And one of the things I love about, about movies is in, a, in, a, in, a, in an hour, my emotions rise and fall. You know, like you get really excited and, and then you also kind of get a bit overwhelmed. Like, wow, how are they going to overcome this gigantic feat? Like, how, how, does, how is, the, how is the, the superhero going to save the day? It seems impossible. And then I get, I get the solution. I, I, I get the, the response. And in an hour, I get to rise and I get to fall. I get to rise and I get to fall. But imagine if you never got to rise. Imagine if you went to a movie and it was just sad and then you left. (laughs) Imagine the emotion that's carried with that. That that small clip, that small insight places you into 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 the world of the people of Israel. People of Israel have this joyous story, and then as sin creeps in, they're in a place of dismay, a place of need, a place of emotional funk where the need for a Savior is great. Allow me to, allow me to describe to you the, 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 the storyline so that you can understand the beauty when the, when, the, when the hero comes to save the day. But in order to get there, first I've got to help you understand why we were in need of a hero. If you guys need Bibles, please raise your hand. Uh, we have brothers and sisters in the back that will get you a Bible. Uh, we're going to turn to the first chapter of Genesis, uh, verses 26 through 28. And uh, one of our leaders will get you a Bible. But it's a beautiful story that starts off with God creating man in his own image. Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis is that first book in the Bible. And then you've got a hand in the back, my brother, on the right. Uh, and then we're going to the 26th verse. And we'll read the two verses after that, 26 and 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the birds and of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God did what to them? God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and over the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You get a beautiful picture of, of a loving God that creates humanity in his image. So we start in a place of love. Beautiful storyline to enter into. But then something happens. Something that I wonder if you guys can experience if I do a little experiment now. How many seats would we guess are in this auditorium? Maybe about 200, 150, 175, okay. So if I said, hey guys, you can sit in any seat in this room. Jump on them, play on them, spin around, do everything you want, but you cannot touch this seat. Not that one. And then I left for a couple of hours. What would take place in your heart? Want to touch that seat? Some, some of you out of curiosity, why, why would pastor say don't touch it? Some of you out of rebellion, he can't tell me I can't touch the seat. Who do you think he is? I'm going to touch the seat. You know, I, yeah, I know how some of y'all roll. Our, our hearts that for a second you get to snap, you get a snapshot into the place of Adam and Eve where God says, I'm creating a garden. I'm putting you in it. Delight. Do what you want. Enjoy. I have created you in my image. I've created these things. You have rule over them. Kick it. Just don't do one thing. Don't touch that tree. Don't touch that tree. And there's too many reasons. We have a variety of reasons why we would want that seed. And and I don't know exactly why Adam and Eve went for the tree. What we do know is they were deceived. And what we do know is for a moment, instead of choosing to submit to a holy God that loved them, that gave them so much freedom, they chose to make a decision for themselves. And that's what sin is, family. Sin is every time you and I choose to make a decision instead of choosing to submit to the will of God. And so we see in in, in verses uh, 2.17 of Genesis, that's the next chapter, 17th verse, that says, But the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Sin is eating away. It, it kills us, family. I was, I was listening to a brother named Lecrae, and he was just talking about how he came with some different lyrics, and before Christ, he just realized he was living to die, like feeding different fleshly desires so that, so that he could think that he was pleasing himself. But lo and behold, all he was doing was postponing a death that was imminent because he didn't love a holy God. When we choose to make decisions for ourselves over what God says, that's sin, family. And it leads to death. But we, we get sin on two fronts kind of clearly. We get sin that corrupts our inner self, right? Like, like um, you know, back in the day, I would, like, get crazy drunk, and then I would pray, Lord, just let me get through the night. Like, I was just so stupid. You know, like, you feel it. You feel the impact of your foolish acts, you know. Or, or you, um, we've made decisions that we knew weren't in our best interest in the past. But then we also see how sin corrupts relationships. How when I lie to you, it makes it very tough for you to trust me. How when I steal from you, it makes it very, very difficult for you to trust me. But it's, it, it wasn't really until I became a parent that I understood just how much sin hurts God. And how I can see the sin in hurting you, and I can see the sin in hurting you, and even myself, but you'll forgive me, and, and uh, I'm... I can self-medicate to keep moving on, but, 
But the magnitude of sin and how it hurts the Lord's heart, though he's all forgiving and always waiting with arms open, family, that's, that's, that's the relationship that sin damages the most. It's our place with the Lord. And so it's out of Adam and Eve choosing to be God that we get this great separation. We get this, this separation from the Lord. And so, just like I said in that movie, being in a place of, 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 of longing for a remedy, we enter into the place of the people of Israel for a moment now. People of Israel wandering through the wilderness, looking forward to a promised land, looking forward to a Messiah, looking forward to one who's going to redeem all things, long to be restored. Have, have this, this feeling of angst, feel like there's an emptiness that's just not being filled because of a lack of, of their, their Savior to come. So hear these words in chapter 9 of Isaiah. And Isaiah's probably more in the middle of the Bible, if you've thumbed through. Isaiah, I-S-A-I-A-H, chapter 9, and we're going to go through verses 6 and 7. And let me make sure I'm, I'm, I'm having everyone on the same page. We spoke earlier about Advent being this coming of Christ, this, this coming of Jesus. And, and Advent is always really tricky because it's, how many of you have golfed before? A few of you? Yeah, I did it once in, in grad school, I know, right? Grad school class, golfing. So um, when you golf, I don't remember what the place you start at. Amber, you got that scholarship with me. Is that the tee? Tee box. But down the road, in order to know where you're hitting the ball, there's this flag that lets you know that's, that's your target. That's your end point, Okay. Advent is like the starting point, and Easter is like the flag. Those two are always connected in a way where, like, I, I can't discuss Advent properly without talking about who Jesus is at the end because they're both feeding off of each other. The incarnation and the, 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 the Jesus coming to dwell with us is for the end goal of him dying on the cross for us. And so when we, when we enter into this season of Advent where we darken the lights and we, we light candles, it's supposed to be an instant shock to your system. And, and family, we need, it. we need help. We need these physical things because our systems don't want to submit. What I want to do naturally is ignore that Jesus is everything and so I should worship him in this season. What I naturally want to do is talk about gifts. What I naturally want to do is ask you how you made your cranberry sauce. What I naturally want to do is talk about so many things that are not like, man, if Jesus died for the entire world, how am I living? If Jesus took on flesh and entered into humanity to save me, how am I worshiping him? I don't want to talk about those things, so I need to walk in and, and smell a different aroma to, to help my senses be like, this is about Jesus. I need to see things to help me to say this is to be about Jesus. I need people like you guys to be a, hold me accountable to say, hey, I'm happy that you guys are going to do these different things and go to the, but how's your walk with the Lord during this time? It should be a little different. Because just as the people of Israel were longing for a savior, longing for a Messiah, longing for a king who's going to start a new reign, we got some stuff we, we should be longing for too, family. Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Now, family, I don't know about you, but when I read that, there's, a, there's an expectation for what that bundle will look like. When I think of the person that's going to be a mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, wonderful counselor, I almost ignore the first sentence. That, that doesn't seem to line up with a child. You know what I'm saying? I wish I, wish I could have done an imagery, though. I wish I had a brother like, like Thor right here, you know, maybe like the Hulk, but with some black skin, you know what I'm saying? And then like a baby. And say, now you choose which one is going to come to save the day. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I, I, I'm, while standing on this side of the cross and we get to see the beautiful story retold, I'm thankful. At the same time, if I was to step into the role of the people of Israel, I kind of get it. I kind of get how they missed it. I'm, I'm, I'm not excusing it because hopefully one of you guys would have smacked me and helped me realize it and, and I would have submitted, but, but, but I can kind of get it. But because we don't assume that everyone knows this story, we now jump to the New Testament. We're going to the book of Luke. And the book of Luke is in the New Testament. We're going to the second chapter. And we're going to read verses 1 through 21. Oh, excuse me, 1 through 14. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there... The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on the earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Family, we have a big problem, a sin problem. We have an issue where people are longing for a savior. And then we get a remedy, a remedy of God himself breaking into humanity's experience, coming into time. We forget God stood out of time. He takes on flesh, enters into time with us. And it happens in a miraculous way. 
This baby now is the savior of the world. This baby now is, is one who will establish a new kingdom. So, have you ever wondered, you, you hear that story and it's clear. You kind of get the big picture. But I, I want to share with you a, a couple of reasons why we need to understand why God took on flesh. Okay? Because the, the, the act of love that truly happens during the Christmas season is that Jesus, God, became a person for the sake of reigning, establishing a new kingdom, but for your sake and mine. That's, that's the act of love that, that we need to focus our minds, our hearts on, is that a holy God who's pure said, I love you enough to come down and remedy a situation that you can't. And I was, I was actually wrestling through this. I'm like, man... Okay, if, if you give, if, if like something breaks in my house, one of y'all might be able to help me out. If the car breaks down, I don't know what to do. I'm calling E. Nielsen. If you come to me saying, Leon, um, I've done a lot of sinning. Can you help me? I can't do that. I, I personally can't cleanse you of sin. That was the state of humanity. Like, like no person could cleanse one another of sin. No, no sacrifice. What would you do? Put a couple bulls up, try to find a perfect bull. There's no perfect lamb. There's no perfect dove floating around. There, the, the only perfect being to exist is God. So God says, there's a problem that you guys can't fix. So what I'll do is in my perfection, I'll take on flesh knowing that I have the cross in my sight so that I can remedy this situation that's out of your grasp. Because this one is a soul, this one is a spirit situation, and you can't remedy that. So we then see in the, in the first chapter of John, and John is a couple books after Luke, First chapter of John, verses, we're going to read verses 14 through 18. That gives us a picture of what Jesus, of, of that whole scenario of what Jesus does. It says, uh, yep, book of John, chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So now you get a, we get a, a, a literal picture. If you, if you want to know what God looked like, you looked at Jesus. If you, if you wanted to know what it meant to be in the presence of God, you were in the presence of Jesus. Now there's no need for an imagination because God takes on flesh and is, and is right before us. Right before us. But, but I, I love here how it talks about the, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. As Jesus comes, not to abolish the law and destroy it, but to fulfill it. So as on one hand, Jesus, God requires that blood be shed for the remission of sin. 
So does Jesus come and say, we're going to change that? That doesn't happen any longer? No. What he does is come along. Hold on one second, sis. Go ahead. Yeah, you good, Lisa? Oh, and she's not doing anything out of order. Here, we will love people to, to learn. And so if you have a question that could edify the body, please ask. I'm a little confused. Okay. Great question. So sis said, hey, you said that God sent his son, but you're also saying that God took on flesh. Which one is it? Is that correct, sis? Right. So what happens is Jesus, here in this, these verses here, Jesus is the word. Jesus, Jesus has always existed. Jesus is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. Yep, so each of those are God. But now the person of Jesus existed before he was born into a baby, but he takes on flesh as a baby. So he... Jesus was, yes. Yep, and he always has existed beforehand, but now takes on flesh, becomes a baby, and we'll see when we celebrate at Easter, he conquers death, is, is back in heaven, but, but yes, sister, he is God. And so when we're saying take on flesh, God solves the problem by taking on the flesh of humanity, and he becomes fully God. I mean, excuse me, already is fully God, but the, the, the part that our minds wrestle with is how he's fully man and fully God all at the same time. Oh, she said, I don't wrestle with that. I'm cool. And if we can be honest, in our community, um, the Jehovah's Witness cult, like, goes out and tells people that Jesus is not God. And so, like, if, if, if just, I don't know what your background is, but I'm just sharing with our body, as people come to our homes every other week, like, trying to tell us that Jesus isn't God, like, we need, we need to be able to stand firm that Jesus has always existed. He is, he is a part of the Trinity. He is, he is not like something that comes onto the scene when Mary gets a word. Like, no, this is, this is, this is God. This is God. And, that, and that's why we worship him in this way, because only God could solve this problem. Only God could, could bring a remedy to sin in this manner. So great question, sis. Great question. So I, I, I want to um, I, I want you to I want us all to see that in coming there's two reasons why Jesus comes. He comes to help save us from the from the from sin, but he also comes to restore a new kingdom. And I have a few a few more scriptures here to help you see uh, that that what he's doing in, in restoring us. Let's go to Galatians 4, uh, 4 through 5. I have to skip a couple. Amber, you with me? Amen. To show his love for you and I, Jesus took on flesh. Galatians chapter 4, and that's, uh, trying to think of a number. After Luke. Yeah, it's after Luke. Yep, towards the back of the Bible. Galatians. G-A-L-A-T-I-A-N-S. And y'all know we family here, so if you see somebody, like, thumbing through, like, give them a hand. This is how we do. I'm going to chapter 4. We're going to do verses 4 through verse, cover verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, 
to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Adoptions as sons. You, you now, through God, have been placed, taken from a place of sin, placed into a, a state of righteousness. You and I are now, now sons of the Most High. We are now a part of a, a, a lineage that isn't based on our past. It's not based on how much sin you've committed. It's based on the salvific work of our Savior. That's, that's why during this season of Advent, we, we pause. We, don't, we, we, we tell culture how to, how to have a focus during this time. We don't allow culture to tell us what we should be focusing on. My God saved me and placed me into, into an inheritance that will last for all of eternity. And you want me to focus on shopping? What? I'm focusing on God. I have to worship during this time. I get it. There's things that we do as people. I'm not trying to say don't, don't, don't be involved in culture, but put it in its right place. Because what, I, what I've been raised in doing was that Christmas was all about the day when we got to celebrate the gifts. And this, is, this really, this really shrinks, shrinks the gift-giving time down a bit. That, that, that could be a Christian experience for sure, but family, we're not talking about simply a day. We're talking about a season, a season of, of longing, of expectation, of, of trusting in a God who will come and redeem all things. He's done it once in the birth. He came, then died on the cross for us, done it once then. He's going to return. There's going to be a second coming that takes place where he restores all things. And for the sake of time, I'm going to jump then to, to Luke chapter 1. Because not only does he come for your salvation, for my salvation, to, to, to place us into a new inheritance, to make us sons and daughters He comes to usher in a new kingdom. He's born to usher in a new kingdom. Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his what? Of his what? There will be no end. Family, we are, we are a part of all creation. We're not just, but we're not it. <laughs> we're a part of all creation. So, so as the, all of creation is groaning for Christ to return, we join in that. But, but, but don't, the natural disasters that happen in our world. Those are groans of Christ coming to bring forth a joy, a love, a hope, and a peace that will calm all things. The the, the pains that you experience, the desire to to see healing happen in certain areas, all of those things cry up to our Lord, return and set all things anew. It is a, it is a, 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 Uh, It'll be a beautiful picture when we join in with all of creation and worship a king. And you, you, you won't, you won't understand it, but you'll, you'll be, might be walking next to a deer that's like, you know, like I'm telling you, we are just, (laughs) we are just a part of all of creation that's been made by our God, who will give Him praise during that second return. But I ask you. I ask you, do you acknowledge that he is the remedy? Not, not just what he does, but that the, that the remedy is not in all of the things that he will do for you. The remedy is in, in Christ, in the life, in the love of him coming and dwelling here. And he's not asking you, do you love me for what I do? He's asking, do you love me for who I am? And I was listening to this sermon, and uh, his brother said, he said, um, you know, when my wife walks in the door, 
And she asked me a question. She says, uh, honey, do you love me? I says, yeah. I said, yes. And when she says why, I never tell her reasons. I never say, because of these buns that you cook or because of all the napkins that you fold when you set a great table for our family or because all the ways you clean or the many ways you pour into our kids and see them grow in Christ or the great ways you serve. I never say that. Because the day that she stops doing that, I don't want her value to be placed on what she does. So I say, I love you because I love you. Because I want her to know that her value is placed on who she is, not what she does. And I thought, there's something to that. That's a good word. Not a rule. But I think it's good for us to be, to be thinking about as we look at Jesus so I, I ask you the question, what are you longing for? Some of you long for nothing. So when, when Christmas is happening, you're consumed by the stuff. Man, I just got to get through Christmas. The bills that come with it, the, you know, family that we got to go see, you know, like there's, there's you really long for nothing. And so, and so you can be somewhat apathetic, somewhat just uh, callous to the things of life where you just go through and you just kind of keep shaking it off. Just got to keep trusting Jesus. Just got to keep trusting Jesus. And, 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 and you really don't have a vibrancy to your, to, to your walk with the Lord. But some of us might be on the other end of the spectrum where you long for everything. So now Jesus becomes a Jesus of stuff. And if he can give me enough money, if he can give me enough clothes, if he can give me a nicer car, if he can give me all this stuff, then I'll finally be at a place where ah, that'll help me be at a true place in Christ. And so, family, during this time, wherever you are, Let's allow our longings to be placed in proper perspective. Let this season of Advent, the the coming of Jesus into life, let it remind us of of a love for, for a Savior who says, I want you to long for me. I want you to long for me, not just what I do. And definitely not, not you thinking that you can do it all. But would you long for the love that I provide in myself? God saw our greatest need. And he loved us enough to send himself to be the remedy. I I do enjoy enjoy movies. And uh, the thing that kind of fascinates me is is writing that that it will allow the solution to be... Oh, sis, you got a question? I thought you were stretching. Yeah, so, so Sis said, like, when she's thinking of, of what she's longing for, she's trying to care for the family in so many ways that she's not trying to long for anything for self. She just wants to place them in the right place. Yep, yep. And so, first off, that is a uh, um, thank you for asking. There's great humility in you saying that and a, I think a posture of service and love for your family that I think many people experience. And so uh, thank you for helping me clarify what I was trying to say. I, I think what I was trying to say is uh, you, we can all, you, you could even be in that position and still not long for Christ to do something in your heart, but more long for Christ to meet those needs. So Jesus, I want to serve you so that you can hook me up with 
clothes for the kids. So you can hook me up with a new house. So we can get some grub. And what we all have to wrestle with is, is Jesus enough when we don't get those things? Is, is he still worth worship? Is he, is he still worth me saying, oh, this is Advent season. So, Lord, let me enter into a posture that's different than the regular time that I'm going through the year. Because now I'm about to celebrate your birth, you coming into humanity and help me do that in a way that's real. And family, I get for a lot of us, that's new. That's really new. And so we're trying to give you the little, I don't know where I put the little hand out to help you while you're at home to have some, some scriptures to think through. Um, it's more of, a, of a, a posture of going through the motions. And, and I'm, this is now me speaking to everybody. And that's, and, and the people of Israel were going through the motions. Yeah, the Savior is supposed to come. Yeah, he's supposed to come. And, and, and Christ enters into humanity and rocks the world. Have we begun to get lulled to sleep where Jesus no longer is rocking our world, where, 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 where we're not even longing passionately for him to restore things? We just kind of... Yeah, I love Jesus. He'll be back at some point. That's, that's, that's not our, that can't be our posture, family. Sister Lisa, don't apologize. So where does that place her on the nothing to everything? That's what she want to know? That's what she want to know. So I didn't answer your question. <laughs> See, I love my people. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think what it does, sis, is I, I can't choose to place you somewhere. What I, what I want you to do is say before the Lord, like, okay, Lord, where, how am I longing for you? And that, the answer to that question determines, like, where we are. Kel? Amen. Amen. Does that give clarity? She says not like either one or the other, and I should have helped make that a little clearer. There's a spectrum for sure, but that, but that ultimately we want to be longing for Jesus. You know? And that doesn't mean he doesn't meet needs. It doesn't mean that you know, he doesn't care for us. What it, what it does mean is that he in and of himself is our treasure. Amen. And 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 respond and worship accordingly. Like if 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 I go before she asked, and so we need to find out where we are on that spectrum, for sure. I, I every time we come here, it should be a challenge to us, of us, to say, Lord, where am I with worshiping you? You know? And and Big Frank. Hmm. So Frank says, maybe to go to the point of actually longing for nothing would mean that you're actually in the presence or you're with the Father. Because on this side of heaven, we all have needs. <laughs> and so if, and that's, that's kind of my nothing approach was to show the person who tends to, to, to kind of be numb and just keep going through life. You know, maybe, maybe you're financially okay. Or maybe you're not, but you got a family that's cool. And may, maybe whatever it is, you choose to be what gives you your stability. If it's not Jesus, it's a lie to us. And so we have to all be willing to put those things before the Lord and say, am I, am I longing for you? Am I longing for you? I'm going uh, to wrap up with this, this last kind of last thought. The um, as I as I watch different movies and I'm really encouraged by uh, some of the way storylines play out. I'm always kind of shocked by where the solution comes from. You know, you'll have like a uh, uh, a kid who the whole time like 
had the answer tattooed on his arm, you know, or, or it, was, it was written right on the car dashboard the whole time, you know. But, it, but isn't, isn't it crazy when, it's, when the answer is found in a, in a child, in an, in an innocent baby? And, and those, those types of unexpected, like, whoa, where did that come from, really can, like, be, a, be a, a, a great shock to the system and a great, like, desire to celebrate. Wow, like this, this, this little child that is so innocent can somehow save all of humanity in this movie. Family, don't let a, something like a movie be what, what is the, the, the basis of true joy for us. Because it's not simply a, a far-fetched movie. It's, it's a reality for us that, that an actual baby had the cross in mind to allow his blood to be shed so that a new kingdom can come and be, and, and be inaugurated and be ushered in, but also so that we could be reconciled to God. That's, a, that's an amazing truth. It's an amazing act of love, and it's one family that, that we know people who don't believe that truth, so let us be longing for them to accept it, but let us never get comfortable with such a, such a beautiful reality. Would you guys pray with me, please? Lord, We thank you for your, your reign. We're thankful for your, your transformation of our hearts. But, Lord, we're thankful for your love. Love that came and, and fulfilled hundreds of prophecies, but love that, that was found in the form of a baby. God, that you would, in a, in a, that you would take on flesh for our sake. It's something we can't understand. And as we look out at a hurting world, a community of Detroit, that our, our father, we, I was caring for a sister with a box of love, and she just said every night, like, she tries to go to sleep after the kids because they fall asleep to gunshots right here in our neighborhood. Jesus, we, we long for you to restore all things. We long for peace. But, Lord, not just because of of how peace benefits us, but because you are good and because you are loving and because you are our everything. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen.